Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I had a lot of fun in Los Angeles, part of Media Day on Friday. One of the things I was really bummed about is I didn't get to see Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Networks. Friend of this show, uh, man of the world. I, I heard him. I was on Radio Row and I was interviewing David Shaw or somebody and I heard Yogi. So he must have ventured up to the floor. But I never saw Yogi. Now, Yogi, where were you? <laughs> I did. We had a break in the recording for about an hour, and I went to uh, I went downstairs to to get in the club where you guys were at, where all the radio row was, and started walking around and did a couple hits. Um, yeah, man, it's bummed to see you. Or bummed, excuse me, bummed to yeah, not yeah, see you. <laughs> in L.A. Yeah, I know. And uh, but congrats, man! Congrats on your engagement. Congrats! Or your your anniversary. Your, your, your anniversary. Anniversary. Yeah, my wife's and, going. Uh, and what? A new engagement. Yeah, yeah, new engagement with Wilner. That's what yeah. I mean. The uh, yeah. the podcast. That's exciting. Yeah, Wilner and I are going to do a podcast, and we talked about it on uh, I think Thursday's show on this uh, on this station. I'll, I'll let the listeners in more on it in a bit. But Yogi, uh, you know, I came away from Friday. I was exhilarated. I was exhausted. I did 34 interviews that were one-on-one interviews. At the end of the day, I was looking around going, I don't want to talk to anybody. But what were your quick takeaways from Friday? Uh, well, number one, I thought the conference uh, and our commissioner, you know, position of strength. You know, for, for a month, our league has taken a lot of shots. And I think his statements had a resounding effort. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews around the country in the South, in the East, in the Midwest. And the first question is not, is the Pac-12 going to survive anymore? The first question is, the Pac seems to be back. What a, what a Friday, what a media day. So that's the, that's the big one. And he also, you know, stood up for the league. You know, I think all of us that work there and work for the Pac-12 network in whatever fashion it is, you feel that. You're like, okay. You know, we're competitive, competitive too, right? And you've heard a lot of ABs uh, as well say that same thing. It's a competitive industry. It's not like ten teams are going to lay down and shut it down because two decided to go to the to the Big Ten. So I think that was that was one. Uh, two was the stories. You know, um, Ashley Adams and Ted Robinson came over afterwards just to have a bite to eat at my place, and we just kept raving about all the stories of the players. And we had Alex Cook on set, and we gifted him a baby outfit. We got a baby boy on the way. Um, you go up and down the line. We sat on set with Cam Rising. Um, Cameron Ward and Caleb Williams, you know, three quarterbacks that transferred in this league. You know, hearing their stories was fascinating. Um, Tanner McKee, you know who he who he is and what he's about. Um, I just loved sitting next to him and David Shaw, having known Tanner since he was 16 through the Elite 11. So the stories are the next one, and then I think the final one was the talent. Our league's talented, man. I, I've got a document of every player, every position on every team that I'm always looking at in my office here at home and. We're, we got a lot of next-level guys, right? And I think a lot of the narratives around losing two teams was like the Pac-12 doesn't have players. I'm like, well, I'd take our top six quarterbacks right now if you'd rank them as starters, right? The guys we know that are starting, 
I put those six in any order up against any other league's top six. And I've done that research. I've done that homework. And, and I'm not even including guys that aren't named starter, like Emory Jones or Bo Nix or Michael Penix as possible or probable starters for their respective schools. So I, I'm just pumped on that. I think we've got a lot, of, a lot of ballers this year, and it's going to be a fun league to cover again. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst, is with us. Uh, the three quarterbacks, it's interesting. I got I got the same three guys uh, and got a chance to talk to them. Uh, really impressed with Cam Rising, and we'd, we'd seen him play. Uh, Caleb Williams, sensational player, and it was good to talk to him, get to know him a little bit. But the guy that I came away thinking, wow, was Cameron Ward. He's got yeah. it. Like, there's something going on between the years that I went, uh, look out. If Washington State's got some talent around him, I think he's going to be a nice surprise. Yeah, we, you've been talking about the Cougs for a while, right? And, you know, last year they went through something clearly unprecedented, uh, but it was held together. And they played well, and they've got, they've got some surprising talent back. I think they're going to be an under-the-radar team. And I had heard so much about Cameron Ward that I flew up there in spring ball spend day and a half with him. It led me into position meetings. I sat in and listened to him learn. I sat with Eric Morris, his former head coach, now offensive coordinator. Spent time at practice, uh, watching a lot of his nonverbals, watching him interact with a team, uh, was in the team room with him uh, for a team meeting. Uh, he's He's got a lot of unique traits to him. And the one I think I love the most is that he's been overlooked, and he knows it. This guy's got a unique drive to him. Uh, and I think all these quarterbacks have a unique trait. On a, if, if not multiple, but this is a guy who was the most sought-after quarterback other than Caleb Williams in the whole portal, and he went to Washington State, which is, you know, he's not getting a ton of national play, but this guy could have gone anywhere, you know, and he, and he deserves that. And when you watch him play, I watched him film from Incarnate Ward comping it with spring practice, and you're just looking at him do things, and when you see it in person, like, wow, a lot of guys don't make those throws. So I, I think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve regarding the speed of defenses. I think that happens with anybody when they make a jump up to this level. But this guy knows the system. He's been teaching his team the system. It's not like where Jaden Delora, he, he's going under center, learning a new system. Cameron Ward's teaching what he's doing to his teammates when he got there. And, and I'm excited. I think he is worth, like, two wins, right, because I think he can make so many dynamic plays out of the pocket, off platform, whatever – cool word you want to use of him. He, he does it all. He's really he's really gifted, and uh, I'm glad you saw what I saw in the spring and I think what a lot of people got to see last week. We're talking to Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks. Uh, you know, this is a conference, I think, that that would really benefit in this year, if it's going to be any year in the next couple, that if they could get a playoff team or have a team that is in that conversation to the very end, uh, huge benefit for the conference why it's going through this transition and, and trying to figure out what it's going to look like. Utah seems to be that team. Let's talk about them. They're going to Florida uh, early season, opportunity to win. That game's probably going to be a pick em by the time it kicks off. But what do you see in Utah? Yeah, um, I see a championship culture that did not take any shortcuts. If you think back to, I was there when they put it on my Pitt Panthers in the Fiesta Bowl with Alex Smith. And I remember that was Kyle Whittingham's first game. He was the co-head coach. And it was my first year as a little reporter. And I was doing sideline for the game. And I remember watching him in his press conference next to Urban Meyer and being like, 
oh, there's something about this guy. And here we are 18 years later, right, as he entered the 18th season as head coach. And they have never tried to just take a shortcut, right? Think about when they entered the Pac-12. I remember the game against USC where there was a bad spot. Maybe the game goes a little different. Who knows? But they were competitive from jump. And as the years have gone on, they've just steadily grown. And now, and I asked this to Kyle on set with us on the Pac-12 Network, so does it feel like it's just natural that you're picked to win the league? Like, this is the next step. He said, yeah, you know, we've been, we've been working really hard at that. But, yeah, that, that is the next step. And, and the reason I say that is that a lot of teams in the preseason get a ton of hype to being playoff contenders, right, because that's the media era that we're in where everybody unfortunately talks about the playoff, which I think is damn the game and a bunch of fronts. But regardless, we still do it. And a lot of times teams are overhyped, right? It could be an old Miss, right? It could be your sleepers around the country. Utah's not overhyped in that regard. You know, really grounded. You could say, yeah, I love their offensive line. They bring back some really talented players. They've got the best trio in the country at quarterback, tight end, and running back, and have depth at each of those positions. I think receiver-wise, they're going to take the next step this year to replace Britton Covey, but I like the talent there. Defensively, holes to fill. But you'd like to think they do that, right? They've always developed the front seven well. Yeah, two of the best corners in the league, if not the country. So I'm, I'm really just grounded when I say, yeah, Utah, it's their league right now, right? They proved it last year with how they played on the field. Their schedule sets up for them to make another run this year. And they should be talked about every bit of a playoff team as anybody else that's returning a bunch of players. When you mentioned the the playoff and how it's damned us, I agree. I agree with you, but I want to know what you're thinking about because I think that access to the playoff is important to the best of the best. But there's a lot of teams that know, I think, in their heart of hearts, that they're never going to contend in a four-team playoff, and and you know, and they have a season too. Like they have a season that is a meaningful season. But what are you getting at? Well, I remember when it came out. You know, and you're saying to yourself, and I, and I was part of that BCS era, right? I remember when I was at SC, we didn't play for the national, proverbial national title, and there was kind of the split national title. Remember that? Uh, it was SC Michigan in the Rose Bowl that year where Kerry Culver a sweet touchdown, and the Matt Liner caught a touchdown. Um, and I, I remember that played in that era. When it got announced to be what it was going to be, my first question was, okay, well, what's equitable? Who's playing eight conference games? Who's playing nine? ask anybody in the game, they tell you there's a dramatic difference just there. Whether it's repeat opponents year after year and them knowing your scheme, comfortability with non-conference versus conference opponents, um, let alone just the focus it takes. Right? When it's week 11 and you're playing, you know, disrespect, but a lesser known team like most teams in the SEC and at times teams in the ACC are doing, it's more beneficial to them, right, versus in our league. Look who we're playing in that week. Just go down the schedule. It's not even close. So I, I say that, one. Two, and I've talked to a lot of fellow broadcasters about this, is that from the beginning of the season, we're in a sport of stories. Uh, the story just becomes the playoff. And the minute you lose a game, like your story seemingly doesn't matter anymore. And, and I don't like that for the game. I, I don't think that's – especially when you add in, well, four teams get in the playoff, there's five power leagues, doesn't make sense, eight versus nine games that I just got them talking about. And, uh, and I think teams just kind of get forgotten. So then you start to manipulate it and say, all right, well, can we just have as many cupcakes as possible? Can we just have a bunch of easy games? How can we get our record to be, you know, how can we be Minnesota a couple of years ago or Western Michigan or whatever it is? I remember when they took their run and I'm not disrespecting those teams. I'm just saying, like, everybody's schedule is not the same. So then you start to get in the game of, all right, are we positioning ourselves? How do we do that? 
I think all of those elements aren't the best for the game. And that's why I look forward to the day, hopefully sooner or later, to when the playoff is expanded. Who knows if all automatic qualifiers or not. Uh, I think you should do that. But some sort of equitable fashion to a sport that we love versus, hey, we've got the best roster in August. And for the most part, whether that's Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia, like they're going to kind of get in unless they really stumble and lose two or more games. How did you think George Klyovkov did? Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, I'm, yeah, I love his leadership style. I love how he stands up for the league that he represents. Uh, I love how he communicates with all of his employees. Um, I love that he stands up for, you know, the league that sometimes takes uh, shots that aren't accurate. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Um, I loved his candor. Right, and everything about it, even recognizing his candor as he did in real time during that Q and A. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, as I, I think I told you this, uh, you know, after the first few months when I got to know him a little bit, but I'll follow him and his leadership all day long, uh, and I can't wait to see what our next move is. And I think all of us were hit really hard, who love the league, right? You included, when the realignment hit this league in in, in unexpected fashion. But after about a week, you kind of came out of it after talking to leadership and people involved, whether it's ADs or they're part of his team, and you're like, okay, we're going to emerge. What it looks like, how it gets formed, what form it takes, where it's seen, who knows? Like, I think everybody we've seen over the last month become a media expert. I'm not going to pretend to be one of those because most of those people pretending aren't. Um, but I'm going to follow his leadership, and I, and I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited and enthused and uh, jacked to see what our league's next move is. And I've got absolute trust in him to make the best move for the future of the league. And this is, I think, I've been in this league for almost 20 years, and I hope I can do it till I'm 60. Man, I'd love to be a part of this league for that long. Let me ask you, you got a book coming out about QBs. I don't know how much you can get into it right now, but you want to tease it a little bit? And, you know, when it comes out, I want you back on. But what are you working on? It's out. It's out, brother. What do you mean it's, it's out? It's Friday. Really? Yeah, we're out. We're yeah, we're live. Um, called Five Star QB. It dropped on Friday, and uh, I'm real happy. It's um, you know, for whatever it's worth, it's an Amazon bestseller within three days, which is cool. Jeez. And ultimately, uh, f- for me and my co-author Joey Roberts, we- we've done the Elite Eleven for almost 20 years. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks come through, and them and their parents continue to ask the same questions around recruiting and visits and transferring and mental health, uh, managing life on campus. Etc. And we said, you know what? We need to create a book of sorts that can be a tribe of mentors for these athletes, whether you're going to be a walk-on or whether you're a five-star, as well as their parents. So we did it. We canvassed the history of recruiting. We ended up interviewing 54 quarterbacks, so at one time we're a five-star quarterback. So going back to Red Bomar, Ryan Perlou, Mark Sanchez, Matt Barkley, up into Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, uh, current quarterbacks that are playing, like Davis Mills playing in the league, uh, a lot of guys. Sam Ellinger, um, 54 guys, and we asked them all the same 22 questions. And they answered them with incredible resolve, and they were extremely candid. And they offered their advice and, through their story and shared it, right? whether it was Ryan Burns, Keller Christ, KJ Costello, Josh Rosen. Uh, they were very open with, I wouldn't enroll earlier. I would enroll earlier. This is why I transferred. This is how I did or didn't manage mental health, uh, whatever it may be. And then we layered in 40 what I called ambassadors of the game. So Pete Carroll, John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks, 
Dan Lanning, Lincoln Riley, David Shaw, Chip Kelly, Jeff Fish, Herm Edwards, Jake Dicker, Brenda Tracy, uh, the Holinsky family, Dr. Michael Gervais. The best that I knew in our sport, I said, can you write a letter of advice to parents and players? And it was a really cool thing because everybody, everybody did. Everybody showed up and put a lot of time and thoughtfulness into their ambassador letter, into their answers as a quarterback. And it's 597 pages, bro, of uh, really cool wisdom and advice from, from the community of quarterbacks and, and people that have a big influence in those. So it was awesome that, it, you know, serendipity just had it come out on media days that morning, uh, which was really cool. And, uh, yeah, and I've been doing a bunch of interviews talking about it, and I'm really – I'm really proud because I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna really help people. Uh, it's gonna help players and help parents, and I think it's gonna educate fans a lot. I think as you see the coverage, you can check it out on Amazon. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, dash, yeah. When, when you see the cover, it's the faces of all 54 quarterbacks. Um, and why I did that was because I think when a player gets named a five-star prospect and they commit to whatever your favorite school is, there's a standard and expectation for them. And they often get seen as a jersey number and an arm and and a ranking. And they're a human. And you've known me for a while now. Like, I love the humanity within sport. And I want and I urge a lot of fans to just remember that. You know, there's a passage in there in the book of a quarterback who says, when I was at one school on my visit, the student section was chanting my name. Well, two years later when I was starting for that school, they were chanting my name but booing me off the field. <laughs> and it, and yeah. a lot of the guys talk about how it's hard. Right? There's guys in this book that have, you know, come in and out of rehab. There's guys in this book that, you know, Ryan Burns talked about how he was, um, you know, when he was told that he was going to get benched for Keller Crisp, he exhaled. He said the pressure just became so much. And the next day, Tavita Pritchard and David Shaw came to him and said, hey, we're going to make sure you go meet with this high-performance psychologist. He said it was one of the best things that ever happened in his life. So it was really it was really fun to reconnect with a lot of guys from back in the day that are now have multiple kids and you know they're killing it in their own lives and they're the furthest thing from a bust, uh, as well as hear from guys like Cam Rising, you know, who was like a five star guy for like a week because some guys drop and some guys rise, uh, and to hear about their journey. So it kind of my life's work at the quarterback position and it took about three years to to finish it and over the last five months just put my head down and and went for it and. You know, it's had a it's had a good reception so far, and I hope it has a long life. I'm going to take a look at this. Uh, it, it's called Five Star Quarterback. It's not about the stars. It's about the journey. I'm sorry that I missed the release on Friday. I knew it was coming out, but uh, I love that you're able to talk about it. And I'll link it in the newsletter that that goes out tomorrow, Yogi. I think you know, I, I think it's a fantastic idea for a book. So thanks for doing it. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you uh, sharing your platform to to help share this book. Yogi, I hope this conference competes this year. I think they need it more than any other year. And I'm not sure. I look at Oregon. I look at Washington. I go, you know, are they fully ready? It feels like Utah is ready. Um, and, you know, I think it's uh, – I, I do think Utah can go to Florida and win in the opening week. I think that would be a big one for the conference. But well, let's get you back on towards uh, the end of fall camp because I'd love to get more thoughts on this. I'm all in, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting on a little mini training camp tour in the next 10 days or so and seeing a bunch of our teams because it is a big year. You're exactly right for a bunch of levels, on the field, off the field. Um, you know, it's where we're going next as a league. 
I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm just so excited for the QB play. You know, it's just got me juiced up when you look across the board. Jack Plummer, uh, Chance Nolan, to all the other guys that we referenced. It's just going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun league. And you're right. We got to do well in the non-con to make sure that we're in the discussion within the reality of today's college football coverage. Thank you, Yogi Roth. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, bro. There he is, Pac-12 Network analyst, author of the book. Here I thought I was breaking some news. Five-star quarterback is out. It's not about the stars. It's about the journey. Yogi Roth, good stuff. Coming up, I did an interview on Friday with Caillou uh, Blue, defensive back at Stanford. I left Media Day thinking about this interview. He is uh, bright, talented. We talked about the Oregon-Stanford game and a whole bunch more. You'll hear that interview coming up. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Good stuff from Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network. On Friday, I got a chance to sit down with a defensive back at Stanford. Caillou Blue Kelly joined me. You're going to hear that interview here. And uh, just tell me what your one takeaway was, because I had one in particular that I was left with. Here's my talk with Stanford defensive back Caillou Blue Kelly. Two people ask you pronounce your name for me after they see it. Like, has that been happening since elementary school? Yeah, man, it's been it's been my whole life. Honestly, I have no problem with it. It's difficult. I understand. I just don't want to mess it up. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like, Some people don't ask; they just go for it. And yeah, absolutely trash it. So they just brutal. Yeah. Hey, uh, your coach said that he feels like you guys are a tiger in the weeds right now. Nobody's expecting big things from you guys uh how are you feeling about this this season yeah i mean i like it that way i think a lot of people would be shocked you know a lot of people after that season they probably counted us out rightfully so i understand but i feel like we'll shock a lot of people this next season so tiger in the weeds is a great way to describe it give me an idea uh spring ball how did you feel and looking around there were some guys that came back to stanford that didn't have to come back Mm -hmm. they must have seen education of course but also opportunity on the football field. Yeah, I think a lot of guys, like knowing myself, I made that decision as well to come back. They saw the morale of the team, like a team that know what we went through last season and seeing that and knew we had to work and wanted to work, and that came out in the spring ball. Spring ball, I saw a bunch of guys flying around, a bunch of guys trying to establish themselves. It was great. It was a great time. It was interesting. I think Oregon in particular, there were a couple of defensive backs that didn't get drafted, that mm-hmm. declared, and you know they, they still signed undrafted contracts but it's a tougher road Mm. did you pay attention to that did you look and go okay like Uh, you know yeah i've seen like a lot of guys where i I was shocked i mean i was like wow it's just it just goes to show how hard it is to do it you know it's like getting drafted is not a not an easy thing at all and staying in the league is even harder so it just shows goes to show that's pretty difficult to do where are you getting advice from who's talking to you Uh, on those those decisions yeah dad dad for sure i mean he did it he played for 12 years you know he's a great player at it played my same position so why not go to him but yeah he's definitely my yeah i think of you and i look at like uh i like elijah molden mm-hmm. having a dad yep. who played that long and yeah. you know you get that's such a benefit isn't it yeah i mean it's a blessing man i mean you get so many tips and opportunities to like know things that not a lot of guys know just based off of not being able to do it so yeah it's a great opportunity how often you talk to dad or what how do those conversations go after games uh it's uh he's my biggest critic i mean yeah, i could have a great game but he'll be the first one to tell me what i did wrong and i like it that way you know i don't 
don't need another fan in my corner with my dad. You know, he's just another coach for me, and I like it that way. Is he, though, as you were growing up, was he a guy that was kind of in your ear, or would he wait till the drive home to uh, tell you? Yeah, no, he's waiting yeah. till the drive home. He waits for that moment. <laughs> yeah. He's for sure got you alone in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. goes, what were you thinking there? Yeah, he's like, so what were you doing there? Yeah, <laughs> we just get to it. It's cool. It's really nice. Yeah, your dad, uh, it, that's such an advantage. But tell me about the other influences in your life outside mm -hmm. of dad. How about mom? Uh, mom, yeah, my mom is the one who just makes sure to always, she's very, like, very prominent on being humble. You know, she's really taught me how to keep myself grounded. I take a lot of pride in that growing up and where I am now is always being humble and working hard and staying true to myself. Like, she's the one who always brings the aspects of what it means to be a football player. She was the same rock for my dad, and she's trying to establish that for me as well. So it's really great. Yeah. You know, uh your position, you're on a little bit of an island out there. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? It's fun, man. I mean, the, the reward is what it's really good about because you know you're on an island. You know you're doing one of the hardest things on the field, and the reward for what you do is so much greater. So I love it, man. I love when the tension's high. There's yeah. some outstanding receivers who have come into the conference. For sure. You welcome that? Yeah, I mean, I love it because it just gives me an opportunity to go against some of the best guys. You know, you always want to do that because it's see where you stack up. You know, you see you prepare for the best guys, and you get a chance to go against them in – one game almost, which is a great opportunity. It's really fun. It makes the game fun for sure. It's it's interesting to me to kind of talk to you guys, players in general, and get to know you away from away from the football. Um, you know, your quarterback Tanner McKee's talking about private equity. Yeah, it's way over my head. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Colorado linebacker. He he's a chef. Okay. And uh, okay. one of the offensive linemen is uh, uh, you know defensive lineman is is breeding dogs wow what are you what are you doing what I mean, that's, what's your side hustle after that track list it's pretty hard to stick yeah. up against that up uh, i do a lot of stuff with my dad on um development okay a lot of housing development he's building a few houses down in vegas where i'm from and i just tail him and just get into that business and it's really gotten what i want to get to when i'm done with football is just housing and um, residential real estate and um, a lot of just commercial stuff as well so that stuff is a lot so are you buying property with dad or uh, what are so you doing managing it by my money yeah i'm, I'm right, sitting right. there watching him sign the check but yeah. uh yeah i'm just watching him do all that stuff you know i, I um and actually um I am. I can disclose this now. I'm creating a video game. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm um, pitching it to Microsoft very soon. It's going to be a pretty big game. It's called Dark Angel, and um, I'm the creative developer on that. And that's something I do on my pastime as well. So okay. That's I'm really so you're a game. On. Are you a gamer first? I am. Yeah. yeah, I do. A, that's my pastime. All right. What did I'm you grow up on? What was that first game that got you? That first game. I feel like everybody had to dive in Call of Duty, aside from Madden yeah. 2K, the basic sports games. But Call of Duty, I was something I always played, still play to this day for sure. What makes a good video game? What makes a good video game? Really how, because a lot of video games do the same things. You know, every game has a goal and a mission and something you have to accomplish. It's how they kind of craft that, the story behind it, the lore and stuff. That's what I get into with my video game. That's what separates different video games from good to great, I feel like. I love that. Do, do your teammates know this, that you're uh, developing no, a game? you are actually the first. To, um, breaking news? <laughs> yeah, this is breaking news, man. I can actually disclose this now, yeah. That's not like being a chef. Like, I almost thought, like, the linebacker of Colorado said, hey, you know, I'm a chef. He's yeah. a little sheepish about it, right? Yeah. Like, but you're... You're uh, creating something. That's yeah, that's going to yes, be a sir. cool thing. Yeah, yes, sir. It yeah. will be. It should come out very soon, yeah. around uh, fall. How hard was fun. it to say no to the NFL? You, you know, your dad yeah. played at USC, right? Yeah. Okay. Then yes, he 11 seasons in the 12 seasons 12 in the NFL. Seasons, yes, that's, sir. A, that's in the top 1% yes, making 12 sir. seasons. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. So how hard was it for you to go no? 
Um, it was it was a long process, I'd say. I really pro. He told me the main thing to do is take each and every single day and pro and con the situation. If you end up with more cons, you know what to do. If you end up with more pros, you know where to go. And I feel like it was tough. I mean, it's a dream for everybody. And when it's right there for you and you can step into it, it's hard to say no. But I, I'm confident now that it was a, I'm good with my decision. That's good advice. That's yeah. good advice for any decision, yeah. really. Like, you know, to step back and have – you know, the ability to do that. Uh, we are talking to Caillou Blue Kelly, uh, Stanford defensive back. All right, this season, uh, you got to do better than 3-9. and nine. Of course. <laughs> you guys know that. Of course. But yes, this is a Stanford program. I'm going to guess when you were recruited, mm -hmm. they were selling, hey, we won 10 games. We had all – like, sure, you sure. you got to leave it better than you found it. Yeah, 100%. And that was the main goal coming back, you know, leave a legacy. Leave a legacy that I can look back and remember on and – Three and nine was not was not what I wanted to leave off on, and for sure I feel like this year, no matter what happens, it'll be 100% better than last year. I'm fully confident in that. USC UCLA, how will they be greeted by fans in this conference? You know that I really was, you know, of course I will be leaving. It wouldn't really affect me in a way, and um, I feel like there shouldn't be animosity towards any of them. It wasn't the players' decision. You know, it can't you can't be mad at the players for that. You know, we're just playing football and we just do what we're told. You know, so I feel like. Whatever happens with that, I hope for the best. While you've been in college, it has changed a lot. Yeah, like for the, sure. It's a business. Yeah. Guys are jumping around, NIL. Mm -hmm. um, you like it, or is it more complicated? Or What's the pros and cons there? I say my opinion towards it is um, unbiased. You know, I feel like as a player, it's a great opportunity. I mean, players can get paid now. You know, it's just, uh, as we know, college students, we all struggle in our own ways. We're not paid, we, but... With that opportunity, it's a great opportunity, so I see it that way. It's a good opportunity for guys to get paid, for sure. How did your parents settle on Caillou Blue? Yeah, uh, so we're going to the delivery room right now. Uh, my my dad is stuck on Blue. He's like, that's going to be his name. And my mom, though, she wanted a, another K. Uh, Kiaren is yeah. my sister. Breland is my brother, so okay. exotic names off the yeah. bat already. We did uh, that with our kids. Okay, yeah. for sure. Because so you know I'm a John, yeah. right? You can't do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can't. <laughs> For sure. So um, they tried to find what flowed, you know, what flows with blue so we can just meet in the middle and compromise yeah. here. And Caillou spelt K-Y-U blue. Yeah. So that's my first name, actually. Caillou blue is my first name. I okay. have no middle name, but that's that's how it all came to be, man, for sure. I love that. Yeah. Great story. Great to meet you. Yes, Thank sir. you. Wish yeah. you well with the video game. Let us know when that comes out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can't disclose too much, but yeah. that's all I can tell you today. But, hey, sure. break, we're inside the video game uh, empire yes, of Caillou blue <laughs> Kelly. There it is. Herm Edwards coming up, plus our big splash. Leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.